Amen. Good evening. Uh, it is an absolute joy to be here with you this evening and a real treat. And I, I often like just noticing something little in the room. So I'd just like to have us all notice the good-looking crew at the sound desk. Can we just give a little, little look at that good-looking crew there? I mean, they're not going to pay me afterwards, but if they wanted to, then they could. Um, it's my first time at Woody's. And I also have the great joy of preaching. So I'm just going to ask, just for a little favor, I'm going to pretend that we are all already friends. And then I'm just going to ask that you'll treat me like I'm already your friend as well. Is that, is that, I know it's a lot to ask. But like, would, would some of you be willing to come to the table with that? Okay, fantastic. Um, and welcome if you're watching online now, later, or at some future time. We are delighted to have you with us. I'm continuing this series. Exploring the question, who is Jesus? And there's no greater or more important question that we could ask. Last week, Rachel really beautifully unpacked at this service what it is for Jesus to be the Son of God. And today I want to speak to you about the way that Jesus Christ gives us a whole new way of living. Jesus Christ is the one whose life offers us a utterly different and completely new way to live. You see, the astounding thing about the arrival of Jesus is that he didn't come so that we could be better people, have better lives. He came so that we could be made wholly new. From some of the followers of Jesus in the crowd, I'm going to say that sentence again. I'm going to ask for an amen. Jesus didn't come to make us better people. He came so that we could be made new. I've invited my audience response here, so it felt both artificial and really joyful all at the same time. And today we're going to be looking at this passage that some of you will know and love and some of you have never heard of. It's from a book called Matthew. We're going to look at the whole of chapters 5 through 7, which is way too much content. So we're just going to touch on a few different pieces, and I'm going to ask that you would consider reading it at home following this time. But if you have a Bible, feel free to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. And if you don't, some of the pieces will be up on the screens. Some of them you'll just have to follow along with my voice. And I'm just going to ask you to take a second. It's Sunday night. Most of us have had quite a full day. Just to um, breathe in deeply. Be really present to our words tonight. And I'm just going to ask you to imagine a scene with me. Imagine that Jesus has arrived. And as he's arrived in the midst of our lives, he's gone about preaching and teaching and healing every kind of disease and affliction, and everybody's talking about him. It's bigger than Taylor and Selena. Everybody has the name of Jesus on their lips. And as he goes about, he's delivering those who have any disease or pain or oppression. And he's bringing healing so much so that great crowds are following him. And then Jesus sits down. And he sits down with those who have particularly committed to follow him. 
And he opens his mouth and he teaches them. And the first words that come out of his mouth in the only fully recorded preach from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What I'm hoping to show you today in the way that Jesus invites us to a whole new way of living is that he names over us an identity that is utterly different than the one that we would have without him. And here's what he begins with. He begins with saying his followers are blessed. Now, I don't know about you, but the great exercise of my whole life has been to believe truly and deeply that I am loved, not because of anything I have ever done, but because God has named me the blessed one. The first movement that I'd like you to consider this evening is this idea that your deepest and truest identity is the blessed or beloved son or daughter of God. You see, when our heart posture moves from one who is defensive, and must self-justify from the one who has to prove themselves to the one who is simply blessed and loved, it changes everything about us. There's apparently a couple in this room who just got engaged tonight, and they were asked publicly whether it was a good engagement, which is a strong question to ask from the stage. Well done, Rachel. I feel invited into your story at a whole new level. <laughs> but hopefully at, at very minimum, this beautiful couple who I've never met and must apologize to later for using again as a public example. They have some idea that they are deeply loved. And that love is so deep that they've said publicly, we are going to commit the rest of our lives to one another. And this is the kind of blessing as identity that the kingdom of God invites us to, that our whole lives change when we are safe in the hands of the one who loves us deeply. Henri Nouwen, one of my favorite authors, says it this way. It is remarkable how easy it is to bless others, to speak good things to and about them, to call forth their beauty and their truth when you yourself are in touch with your own blessedness. The blessed one always blesses. And here's what Jesus names in this first section as we're blessed. He says that the posture of our hearts moves from one who is centered on our own poverty, our own grief, our own tenderness, our own wounds, and our own demands. And we become those who carry the life of the blessing God to our world. You see, according to Jesus, this begins when we understand that we are deeply and eternally loved. And when this happens, there's then a second movement. God moves our hearts from legalism into love. I'm just going to say that one again. God moves our hearts from legalism into love. And in the Sermon on the Mount, the second part of this passage is Matthew 5, verses 17 to 48, where Jesus begins to unpack this. Now, I grew up in a Christian home a home where God was loved and honored, 
And just for my own reference, how many of us grew up in a home where God was to some measure loved and honored? Okay, good percentage of us. Now, I was really, really good at following all of the rules. And I was really, really good at telling all of my friends why they weren't following all the rules very well, which made me tremendously popular as a teenager. Oh, no, no, wait, the opposite. <laughs> I was so good at telling all of my friends the reasons why they weren't following the world, the rules, that I missed the whole point of what Jesus has to say. You see, in this section on the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus does is he speaks boldly to the most controversial topics of his day and of ours. He speaks to our anger, to our lust, to our sexual purity. He speaks to the promises we make and the revenge we desire and the enemies we battle. May I just tell you, there is nothing off the table in a conversation with Jesus. And to all of these things, Jesus says, pivot your hearts from making a nice set of rules, living in legalism and the appearance of perfection, and understand that I, Jesus Christ, have come to show you a whole new way of living. You see, legalism takes a box and puts boundaries around our faith and says, if you live in this box and follow these rules and live in this way, then you will be safe. And what Jesus does that is utterly different is he says that your favor with God has been already earned. You don't need to earn it by living inside of a box of faith. But actually, what I will demand of you is your whole life. And E. Stanley Jones, in his classic commentary on this Christ of the Sermon of the Mount, says this. The new law that Jesus gave us was a life. This lifted goodness out of legalism, and it based it on love. This gives us the liberty to do the thing that love impels, and not merely the thing that duty compels. You see, the love that Jesus gives us is so radically extraordinary and boundless that he says that all are welcome and loved exactly as they are. And yet Jesus loves us far too much to leave us this way. And the third pivot of this passage is a really unexpected one. Because having unearthed all the secrets of our hearts, Jesus moves the conversation from public to hiddenness. One of the most unusual things about the way of Jesus and the call of God is that so much of what he calls us to is hidden from public observation. We're all meaning-seeking creatures. And even before the age of social media, of which I am guilty of participating at large, we loved to share our lives with others. And there's this beautiful moment, isn't there, when life is shared that makes us laugh with joy. Like, I just got a text today from a dear friend who's about to have her first baby. <laughs> 
can we do an awe? Like, awe. I mean, I'm so excited for this baby, and I can't say very much more because I'm actually pretty sure I'm not supposed to be talking about it publicly. <laughs> so just one of my friends, which is a few, so hopefully we haven't figured it out. There's just this moment when someone shares with you deep and tender news that you're delighted to celebrate with them. And Jesus in this passage says, there's a lot of things, especially in our spiritual lives, that we're tempted to do publicly so that everyone will notice and pat us on the back. But the life that God calls us to is to move from a place of public approval to hiddenness. Um, I had the great joy of spending this last week with a preacher named Christine Kane. Uh, she invited me to come visit some of her human trafficking rescue centers in Greece and Bulgaria. And just as a little side note, I am speechless. Oh. For the beautiful work that is being done presently to rescue and love women who have been abused and trafficked. It is one of the most significant pieces of gospel work I have ever seen. Um, but Christine, when she was a really young preacher, she went out with a woman named Joyce Meyer for a series of preaching tours. And she went to a stadium to preach the gospel. And there was a roar of response. Thousands of people were there and hundreds responded to the gospel. And there was just this astounding moment where everyone was part of this beautiful celebration of new life in Jesus Christ. And Christine finished preaching and walked to the side of the stage. And Joyce said to her really kindly, I hope you're enjoying the applause that you're receiving because it's the only treasure you'll ever get. And Christine said from that point forward, she committed that she would do far more in quiet, hidden, unseen ministry than she would ever do publicly. You see, in this passage, there's this reminder that Jesus is speaking to our giving and our prayer lives and our fasting and our money, and he's speaking boldly to all the things that we want to celebrate publicly. And he says, let the thing that God is doing in your life be quiet. Let it be hidden. There's something distinctly Christian about this call. We read it in the 40 years that Moses spent in the wilderness, in the 30 years that Jesus spent in obscurity, in the three years that Paul spent being developed as a preacher. And we read this prayer that Jesus prays, and I find there is something distinctly linked between the quiet, hidden work of God and the power and authority that lets us pray these words that will come on the screen. And if you're able, just pray them with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we begin to pray this way, it takes us to our next movement. It moves our hearts from being riddled with anxiety to becoming the people of rest. And I don't know about you, but I think our culture right now is fairly obsessed with finding rest. We talk a lot, don't we, about self-care, genuine meditation patterns. We've talked a lot about rest, and there's this idea that we find in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 34, where Jesus says to us very tenderly, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Is your life not more than food and your body not more than clothing? You see, there's this beautiful reality of the kingdom of God where God asks us to surrender our anxieties and rest in his presence. One of my great joys is to walk with people towards Jesus. And I have this friend who I am walking with towards Jesus. And I, I got her a Bible, one of like those beautiful hardbound Bibles with designs on the cover. But I made a really rookie mistake which is to give someone a Bible and not tell them where to start. <laughs> Has anyone ever read like a slightly awkward passage in scripture that you had no idea what in the world was happening when you read it? <laughs> There's like quite a lot of scripture that's a little bit confusing. So I give her this beautiful Bible, but I do not tell her where to start, which is just a rookie mistake. And I'm like medium old now, so I should have learned that lesson. <laughs> and she came up to me later that week and said, Sarah, I opened my Bible. And the first thing that I read is that God cares about the birds and the lilies and the farms and the fields and that he's going to care for me that way. And he's told me I don't have to be anxious or worried. Is that true? And I was like, first of all, huge sigh of relief that this was the passage of scripture that you first opened to, not something obscure about Judas hating himself. <laughs> and secondly, yes. There is something about the presence of God that brings the peace that we long for. And some of you have been in church for many, many, many years. Some of you are here visiting tonight for the first time. Thank you to both of you. But there is something in this word that is for both of those. Some of you tonight simply need to hear God cares for your needs. He is present with you, even in your places of deepest anxiety. The tenderness and the kindness of God is towards you. We believe this about Jesus, that he is the non-anxious presence. And when we are with him, Wherever else our hearts have taken us, we are deeply loved. And when we truly know and believe this, it takes us to the next movement, which is from a place of judgment to a place of generosity. 
I'm going to say that one again. It takes us from a place of judgment to a place of generosity. We read about this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. And I'd invite you to look at these passages simply reminding ourselves that we live in a world that has been conditioned by greed. In the words of the world's richest man, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. (laughs) And yet the way of Jesus gives us this whole new cycle. It says that we receive grace, unearned and generous. That we know how much we are in need of a Savior. And so we boldly ask for all that we need from a God who loves us. The generosity of Jesus is the kind that once received can only be given away. And it's spoken of in another way in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And so who is Jesus? He's the God who gave himself away so that we could find a whole new way of living. And the wide open invitation of this way of living says we become so formed by the God who held his arms wide open on the cross, giving his life away, that we cannot help but hold our lives wide open to the world and say all are welcome in the presence of the God of love. You see, the invitation of the life of Jesus is to become those who hold our arms and hearts wide open to a weary, wandering, waiting world. This morning I visited a church in Exeter and a young man I'd never met came up and said, hello, may I shake your hand? And I said, absolutely, I'd be delighted for a handshake. And looked me in the eyes and he said, you helped save my life. Never met this young man before. He said, last summer I came to Creation Fest, that festival that you saw a little video about. Before that I didn't know Jesus Christ. And I met and encountered his love, and everything in my life has changed because of him. It's my first year at uni, and I would have, I think, killed myself a dozen times over if I did not know the love of God. So thank you for creating the thing that saved my life. And there are some here today who simply need to be reminded, or perhaps know for the first time, this is the wide open love of God. The one who loves us in and through our places of deepest pain and worry and who welcomes us home. And the final movement of this passage is that Jesus invites us to move from a place of foolishness to a place of faith. You see, Jesus closes this beautiful passage with a story as he so often does Who is Jesus? He's a storyteller. (laughs) 
And these words are found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and who does them will be like the wise one who builds their house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish one who builds their house upon the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. I lived in California for the first 31 years of my life. I did not understand rainfall. I've lived in England for the last eight years. I understand rainfall. <laughs> this parable actually makes a whole lot more sense to me now. <laughs> it's kind of like a nice set of ideas before. And all of scripture has been given to lift our eyes to Jesus. And in the storms and in the floods and in the weariness and to the wounds, he simply says, have you heard my words? And are you living into them? If you do, they will be to you a firm foundation. They will be to you life and health and truth. And for some of you here tonight, your life is not built on a firm foundation. There have been moments that your faith has crumbled and your hope has been lost. And if there are those here tonight who would simply say, hmm, I've had some crumbling moments in this last year. would just like to invite you to take a moment tonight to consider, do you want to say yes to a new way of living? And I'm going to ask those who would say yes to this tonight to do something slightly bold. I'm going to ask you to stand up in our midst. And the reason for that is I believe that sometimes when the posture of our body changes, so too does the posture of our hearts. So if there's any here tonight who would just say, I know the foundation of my life has been crumbling, but I want to build on a firm foundation, just invite you to stand. Now I just ask you to hold out your hands open in front of you. And 
And the final words that Jesus said to his disciples were this. He breathed out and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God knows the stories, but I do not. And so I name over you that those who are weary will rise up with wings like young eagles. They will run and not grow weary. I pray over you the strength and the confidence of the spirit of the living God to repair what feels ruined right now and to fill you and to anoint you. And if there are any of those standing who have not yet received the power of Jesus Christ for the first time, it's just as simple as saying this, Jesus, I invite you into my heart today. I turn from all that would rob me of my peace and I turn towards your love. Jesus, I receive your love today. And I now just invite the rest of our church family to stand as well if you're able. And this invitation is to a whole new way of living. And so I name over you that you are the blessed and beloved sons and daughters of God. That you will be those who will walk in love, not legalism. Hiddenness, not public glory. Rest instead of anxiety. Generosity instead of judgment. And faith rather than foolishness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.